Thanks for downloading this podcast. podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy by searching iTunes for Radio Le Mans or visiting RadioLeMans.com. From the world's first officially recognised sim racing group, it's the Tora Radio Show. Hey and welcome to yet another weekly edition of the Tora Radio Show here on RadioLeMans.com. I'm Matt Hunter. It's the British turn this week, and alongside me, virtually, of course, uh, keeping his, well, it's more than two metres, at least 200 miles distance, uh, Mr. Jordan Groves. Hello, hello. Can you hear me over there? Yes, the string is uh, is tense enough. Tin, that... tin can's not <laughs> gone or anything? No, thankfully. Uh... <laughs> Loud and clear, though. Just because I live in Devon doesn't mean it's that bad, you know. Well, I'm near Norfolk, and... so... <laughs> and on this Do you incredible... have Wi-Fi down there? <laughs> Not quite. <laughs> we use dial-up. <laughs> right, down here it's called Wi-Fi. Wi-Fi. Uh, <laughs> and on a packed show this evening, and it is genuinely a packed show, dear listener, because we have uh, a plethora of guests uh, coming on this evening, and we have to try and squeeze in what's possibly been one of the most news-filled sim-racing weeks I think I can remember for quite some time. So without further ado, we're going to very quickly crack on with the news and then we shall uh, start speaking to our first guests. Jordan, um, F1 2020. Yes, this kind of came out of nowhere. I feel I feel like the announcement's a little bit earlier than it usually is, but we'll take it considering there's not much else to be doing right now. Um, yes, F1 2020 has been announced. Insert the uh, <laughs> applause track there. I thought there was going to editor. be some... <laughs> I'll let you do that. You do all the editing. Yes. Um, yeah, so F1 2020, the sequel to, brace yourselves, 2019, um, is coming on July the 10th. Um, it's got all the usual updates that we usually expect from one of the Codemasters F1 titles. So all of the teams from the 2020 Formula One grid, whenever that gets on the way, um, all of the tracks. So that will include the additions of Vietnam and the updated Zandvoort. I'm really, really looking forward to trying that. Um, just some of the highlights that we know about so far. Um, so the, the, the biggest addition is the um, My Team feature for the career mode, where you, the players will be able to be the driver slash manager of an 11th team on the grid in career mode. They haven't, Codemasters haven't revealed much else about this yet, so we don't know what they'll be able to do, you know, custom livery-wise, etc., etc. But on the outside, it looks like, sounds like quite a good feature. Um, the other major news is is that this game, will, the deluxe edition of this game, will be called the Michael Schumacher edition, which I uh, love to celebrate. That, that, yeah, they're marketing it sort of as, as being as though this is the year where Lewis Hamilton can equal Michael Schumacher's tally of titles. They want to celebrate him, um, something along those lines. Um, with that comes a couple more classic cars. It seems as though they haven't confirmed that all of the previous classic cars will be returning, but. It, probably will but we will also be receiving the 1991 jordan the famous seven up colored one the one that i'm really really excited about um uh, the 1994 and 1995 benettons uh, whether the 94 one has traction control or not is up to you um and the 2000 ferrari so yes that's um it came a bit out of the blue that news but it's very much welcome 
it's excellent. I'm really, ple- I'm very, ple- I'm very pleased to see a Jordan in there as well because I genuinely yes. thought they were lost to the history books, um, or lost to basically anyone who can do decent modding. That's pretty much <laughs> the only time you get to drive a Jordan anymore. Uh, no, just need ex- to see a 1998 Damon Hill one now. Oh, that would be nice. That would be perfect. And technically, a Schumacher did drive that car, just the different one. Yeah, just the different one. That yeah. doesn't matter. No, no absolutely fine. not. No, very, very <laughs> cool. Great to see it. And of course, F2 will be in there again. Um, I think we've just discussed off off air it'd be how cool it would be to have um, F3 and F3 or GP. Is it GP3 or F3? It's F3 now, yeah. Okay. I wouldn't be surprised to see them announce that within it, because obviously this is only the first tentative bits of announcements from this mm. game. So this is far from all that's going to be in it. I'm still, we're still hoping for stuff like you know F3 would be cool, but more importantly, like game stability updates we, we've spoken in the last couple of shows about how the multiplayer is a little bit lacking so stuff like that i can imagine that we're still going to hear about in the months coming up to the launch on july 10th there we go and just very quickly also from codemasters uh, grid season three came out yesterday um super gt content that's the um the ray brig uh honda nsx and the uh, nissan i want to say are the two yes. cars um plus suzuka and plus some fast road cars that are just pointless in a racing game it's my personal opinion not the opinion of everyone else here at Tora who enjoys <laughs> fast road cars uh, we must <laughs> hasn't taken long has it I'm, t- I'm waiting for well, angry well letters done. That, that was very well managed I know I'm waiting for angry letters and emails to come through I'm sure it'll happen eventually I don't want them uh, any of course must quickly say social media savvy people uh, any questions or anything please do post your questions uh, to at the real underscore Torah on Twitter or of course you can also uh, post other discussion points uh, that will reach us uh, on the midweek motorsport listeners collective and we will of course try to either answer you directly on there and if we have time we will of course try and bring them into the show as well Back to Formula One, because I have to say, John, we don't really give Formula One much love on the show. We are very GT-oriented, and I think that's possibly a little unfair um, as someone who grew up with Formula One in the 90s. Um, We have two very cool guests with us today, and we're very pleased to uh, welcome uh, the Senior Community Manager, uh, Mr. Ian Webster, and uh, Game Director Corey Del Pratt from Hutch Games. Hello, guys. Hi. Hi. Thanks for having us, Matt. Now, this is very different for us because, of course, uh, for those who know, and obviously Ian definitely knows, uh, Ian is an old friend of Tora. Mm -hmm. Uh, Tora has a great history with uh, PC and consoles, but Hutch Games and uh, F1 Manager very much a mobile title. So um, we will, of course, talk about that. But first, for people who don't know you, um, tell us a bit about yourselves. Absolutely. Um, I'm going to start, Ian. Yeah, sure. No problem. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so my name's Corey. Um, I'm French, as you can hear from my accent. I've been working in the mobile game industry for about 10 years. Um, originally as a game designer in various studios around the world, and now as a game director at Hutch for about um, almost three years now. Uh, I suppose that's my cue. Uh, yeah, I'm Ian, <laughs> uh, Senior Community Manager, manager at Hutch. Um, relatively new to Hutch, I've only been there for about four months, but before joining Hutch, I used to work at um, Turn 10 Studios, uh, doing community management on Forza, Motorsport and Horizon. And before that, I was at Codemasters. 
where I worked on F1 uh, way back in the F1 2010 days. So yeah. <laughs> We should, be, we should have been nicer about F1, shouldn't we? <laughs> <laughs> I still love you. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> well, Corey, let's jump straight to you then. I suppose the first question then is, um, how do you go about developing a title at F1 Manager for, for mobile? Um, I think, first of all, it takes a lot of time. Um, I think we we started the project at the end of uh, twenty. 20 maybe 17 so as, a, as at the first concept stage uh, so we had this opportunity so formula one i mean the, the media rights uh, for formula one had just been acquired by liberty media in the u.s so it was a kind of like big transition period um, on their side and they decided to they contacted us for this opportunity so we had to basically come up with a concept for them and we looked at the market, we looked at um, everything that was already existing in that space, um, and we came up with the game's concept that we had to uh, you know, present to them, um, and which they approved, and here we are now. So how, because how, um, I, th- I think it's safe to say that certainly historically Formula One and the teams have been quite guarded about um, how they ex- expose themselves to the wider uh, the wider world in in terms of uh, gaming and that kind of thing. Um, how how open how involved have they uh, been in this process? So I mean I didn't know the Bernie um, you know era. So I, I was new to Formula One at the time, and they've been great. Uh, so we, we've mostly been dealing with the digital licensing departments at Formula One. But they're really open-minded. Um, they know the market. They know games. They know esports, and they're actually um, they actually gave us quite a lot of freedom. I, I worked with other licenses in the past for other games, um, and I've never been that free. So yeah, we could we could go a bit wild, um, obviously within <laughs> within the constraints of of the contract. But yeah, they, they've been great to work with. That's awesome, and and so. I mean, I mean, forgive me. I'm I am somewhat of a layman when it comes to the development process. But how how does it, the development process for a mobile title differ from, say, a console or a, or a PC title? Um, well, I think the platform is really different. Uh, you don't have controller. You usually play in shorter session uh, times. You know, so it has to be. I think the game needs to needs to fit in a kind of snackable format. You know, you can consume within five minutes pretty much everywhere. Um, so you need to take that into consideration. So, for example, our game, uh, the gameplay mostly revolves around race strategy. So you don't directly control your drivers during the races. Uh, they drive automatically around the tracks, and your role is to dictate their actions. So you don't actually have twitchy controls like on console, uh, where you need you know your full attention. You just need to give a few orders here and there, um, and it only requires one thumb. So I think I, I think that the whole platform um, defines what the game will be like. Okay, so let's well let's talk about uh, obviously you know it's safe to say for, Formula One is um, 
it's not it well it's not even in the garage at the moment is it, it it's still on the flight going to a circuit uh, if we're going to build a metaphor for this at the moment 2020 is far from uh, from underway um but with um with there being a clear desire um for up-to-date content uh for formula one in particular uh, given obviously their their big esports uh uh, outlay at the moment. How how are you approaching uh, bringing 2020 content to to F1 Manager? Um, so we run what we call Grand Prix events in the game, and they're synced with the official F1 calendar. So you can you know players can participate in tournaments every now and then. Um, so this doesn't really impact us. We can still run them uh, following the calendar, and I think gives F1 fans uh, their F1 fix, you know, um, even though the race isn't happening, they can still have a place to just, like, make it happen virtually. Uh, so, yeah, we're just following the normal calendar. Uh, we still haven't been able to, you, you mentioned the Codemasters game, but obviously, you know, building new 2020 content takes time. Uh, so we're still working on tracks like Zandvoort and Vietnam. Uh, so we haven't been able to run those. We'll probably run them later on this year during the summer break uh, to whenever they're ready, basically. And we're running kind of seasonal Grand Prix events in the meantime. So we just had a, an Easter event. Um, so, yeah, it's actually not, not, a, not a problem for us. Um, and we're actually, we're actually seeing a lot more players these days. I think it's uh, yeah. I, I, I guess there's a lot of people with um, uh, <laughs> a lot of time on their hands that they can yeah, spend doing sim racing, which is fantastic for all of us. I think it's safe to say. Um, now, I my experience. So this is gonna this is going to age me a little bit. Uh, okay. I I used to play a title called uh, GP Manager back on. Goodness me, I want to say it was based on the 1998 F1 season. It was done by Micropose many years ago. And I, I lost many, 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 many hours um, to that game because it was incredibly in-depth. What do you think are, what would you say are the key features that that in the uh, in F1 Manager that's going to that's going to just keep people engaged throughout uh, throughout their gaming time? So it's actually it's quite it's actually quite a different um, gaming experience what you're describing. So we're not a traditional, you know, motorsport management simulation. Uh, there used to be another F1 manager, I think, at the end of the 90s or maybe in 2000. Uh, but what we try to do is basically dissect what makes a Formula One race exciting, and we tailored it for mobile. Um, in those kind of, you know, like short session times I was talking about. Um, so we wanted to get rid of all of the uh, more in-depth management aspects, that kind of spreadsheety, um, you know, layer um, that, that that is really time-consuming and that isn't really user-friendly. So we, we try to make it, um, well, yeah, very user-friendly, uh, very easy to pick up for anyone, even if you're not, you know, like a, a huge F1 nut. Um, so I think the game, also something I forgot forgot to mention is the fact that the game is fully multiplayer, so you're always facing a live opponent when racing, um, and you have to beat them in rankings. So it makes the game really exciting because you always have another manager, you know, with a 
real uh, human IQ working against you on top of all of the official teams. Um, and that, that sense of competition, you know, like trying to beat someone all the time, every race, uh, whenever you have a bit of free time and basically like climb up uh, the leaderboards and the, and the rankings uh, and try to get the best score in, in the Grand Prix events, you know, like week after week. Uh, and come back and get better and try higher difficulties uh, is, I think, the real drive uh, for a lot of players. But there's also a real like management aspect, of course, with um, you know your drivers. So you have a team in the game and can uh, pick different car components, um, find different drivers, so real life drivers, um, and kind of try to fine-tune everything um, to, to, to best fit your driver's abilities or the track you're going to race uh, in. And basically, over time, to try and develop new strategies uh, and new ways of playing, which I think is also exciting. I can see a lot of office arguments breaking out at various points if we start, start doing multiplayer racing at the same time, <laughs> which I absolutely love, I have to say. Um, Ian, just bringing hey. you in, just bringing you in. Um, obviously, we've just talked about the community, uh, uh, touched on the community aspect of this from a multiplayer standpoint. From your point of view, how is how does the community for this type of title differ from what you've dealt with in the past? Um, in some ways, um, there are a few differences, but in some ways they're very similar. You know, um, compared to the previous titles I've worked on, uh, and comparing to F1 Manager. Very engaged, very committed fan bases, very knowledgeable. In fact, um, um, we just recently started up um, a Discord server, uh, which is doing really well. And uh, the the people who tend to post on there very often are huge, massive F1 fans, very knowledgeable about the subject, which is exactly what I used to experience when I was working on, say, the F1 console games back at Cody's and on Forza. So in that respect, they're very similar. Um, when it comes to, to differences... Um, I think um, there's a certain expectation maybe from the community um, as F1 manages a mobile title for us to be able to iterate on the game a lot faster than we were, were you know, we, we could do with, you know, if it was a console game, mm-hmm. which I think in some respects is, is fair. Uh, and it's something that we're, we're very keen to do. Um, we, we're regularly putting out updates to, you know, update the game, add new features and so on. But I, I think there's a, yeah, definitely a bit of a higher community expectation for us to be a bit more reactive um, when it comes to, like, making changes and tweaks to the game. I mean, uh, just back to Corey very quickly, just because of something that's popped into my head and this always happens. Um, obviously, we just mentioned uh, uh, shortly about, uh, shortly ago, about the... Um, historic content coming to uh, the next Codemasters title. Is that something that you've seen demand for or something that you'd, you'd like to find a way of implementing into F1, uh, F1 Manager in some way? Yeah, definitely. I think it comes up almost on a daily basis. <laughs> um, I, I can agree with you there, Corey. <laughs> I mean, it's definitely Ian knows. Uh, it's definitely something we'd like to do. Uh, it's been, I think, since the very first stage of the concept it was something we wanted to do um it's quite it's quite tricky legally because we we basically you know we, we have the we can use the rights um to the fia world championship but everything outside of that needs to be licensed individually so you need to deal with you know um the driver's agents um and yeah that's a lot of time 
um, and, and effort. So we might we might do it at some point. It's definitely something on the horizon. I'm going to keep my fingers crossed on that one. Yeah. I, will, I will I will openly say this, and John's going to roll his eyes at me because he knows he knows when it comes to this, I become an old codger and uh, and uh, a motorsport <laughs> nors. Um, it would be it would be my dream to have the sort of uh, management title where you could start in like the mid 90s or something with all those cars and work through each season up until now and then just keep going ad infinitum until your mobile dies from overuse <laughs> that would just be the perfect <laughs> the perfect game for me <laughs> like football manager when you see people playing games that are like 200 seasons in or whatever <laughs> I'm, still, I'm still playing championship manager 95 i don't know what you're on about <laughs> but that's um i mean it, it's it's a it's such a cool concept i think it, it's it's also very well overdue and it's it's very positive to hear that um that formula one has been so open with you guys about about de- about developing it and getting it together as well um i mean what what sort of um what sort of is your your sort of future vision for the title moving moving into the end, like obviously the rest of this season and beyond? I think this might uh, be a good time to talk about the 2020 update. What do you reckon, Chloe? Yeah, yeah definitely. So we're yeah we're currently working on the 2020 season content for the game. Um, so obviously it takes a bit of time because we're we're discovering everything almost at the same time as everybody else. So maybe two days before if we're lucky. Uh, so yeah, we, we started, you know, like creating deliveries, um, creating new drivers and, and new components for the 2020 seasons and building new tracks. Uh, so we have this big transition uh, that's going to happen in a few in a few weeks, mid-May, where we're going to um, reset the players' 2019 progress and have them almost start over. Uh, with new drivers, uh, new what, what we call series in the game, which is the main kind of like uh, progression metric, um, and yeah, just like start again on a level playing field, um, and 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 discover the new contents with the new drivers and new driver stats and and new improvements in the game. Um, so yeah, that's 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 the first thing um, that's going to happen very soon and after that we're trying to release what we call a game changing feature um, every six months uh, so we're going to keep you know releasing small features in the meantime and improving the game listening to the community um, and like Ian said um, we're live games so we have events we have new things you know popping up all the time uh, but the next game-changing features might be something that lets players um, maybe create clubs together, or you know, like just like have a bigger layer of social play uh, and multiplayer on top of everything that already exists in the game. So that's something um, that's yeah being worked on and thought about at the moment. Very, very exciting indeed. Um, just uh, last, and then let's just quickly cover um, cover off what are the best places for uh, for new players to engage with uh, the de- developers and chat about F1 Manager. You mentioned your Discord earlier on. Yeah, that's right. Um, I would give you the URL for it, but unfortunately, <laughs> Discord have 
um, cease their, their partner program for the time being, so it's just a long string of letters and numbers which aren't too memorable. But if you Google um, F1 Manager Discord, I think it's the top hit or something that gives you the link. So it's pretty easy to find. I think we've got about um, an 18,000 strong community on there. Considering yeah. we've only been going for a, a couple of months or so, it's really good, very active. And myself, Corey, and a few of the other dev teams are on there um, chatting away with the community regularly. And we do things like giveaways and AMAs and that kind of stuff on there. So that's probably the best place. But we also have the regular stuff like Twitter and Facebook where you can get in touch with us on. Again, just search F1 Manager and we're pretty much top of the pile. And as everybody knows, we at Tora are very, very fond of chatty devs. Very, <laughs> very, very much. Well, we uh, get on, Matt. <laughs> Oh, you don't want me on there. <laughs> be far too ch- <laughs> far too chatty. Um, lastly, for the benefit of the record, benefit of the record, benefit of the tape, um, how will people be able to get hold of F1 Manager? Well, it's free, uh, so automatically have, positive. Yeah, <laughs> so if you have a, an Apple device or an Android device, head to the store and search for F1 Manager. It is that straightforward, dear listener. Thank you ever so much for joining us. Uh, Corey, Ian, it's been a pleasure speaking to you. Thank and you. Uh, of course, for you, having us, you are more than welcome to hang around and uh, partake in the next little uh, bit of motorsport news. Uh, motorsport news. We're talking about sim racing news, if you like, because <laughs> um, we're nothing if not uh, equal opportunities. And um, quite frankly, I think people will get bored just hearing of hearing me and Jordan. Um, so. <laughs> So thank you very, very much. Uh, Jordan, we must quickly talk about... Uh, well, it's going to be iRacing, therefore it has to be Jordan. <laughs> yeah, it's starting to be a little bit of a precedent for me covering iRacing, I guess. Over to Jordan Groves, the iRacing correspondent. Um, it would be remiss of us to not mention the elephant in the room uh, in terms of iRacing-related shenanigans that have gone on in the last couple of days. Um Given the length or how packed the show is, um, I'm not going to mention this too much. And seeing as though the ramifications of what I'm going to talk about are more to do with real world motorsport, that's kind of a nice out cause for me to leave this to midweek motorsport. Um, but yes, if, if you're if you're on Twitter, social media, you'll have undoubtedly seen the news regarding Kyle Larson and his uh, actions um, in a recent iRacing event, the Monza Madness event on Sunday. Um Larson uh, said a racial slur and that has led to him losing he, he started losing sponsors he started um, he was suspended from NASCAR and suspended without pay from his team Chip Ganassi Racing in the Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series and now it has emerged that he has been um, fired from Chip Ganassi Racing um, the reason I want to bring this up very briefly is I, I, me and Matt have seen a number of people online who are that the, the weird take that we've seen for people take from this is that this is why the NASCAR drivers shouldn't be doing iRacing. Yeah. I'm not really sure how you can come to that take from this topic, but nevertheless, I think it's important just to underline the fact that it took place on a sim doesn't really have any kind of, of effect on the incident. The incident didn't happen because it was on a sim racing thing. It happened because he said the wrong thing when he shouldn't have. If anything, it's it's um, it's an illustration of the, the amount of cameras and the amount of ears and the amount of eyes that are on this event that can lead it to snowballing into such a, a really unfortunate situation. So 
I felt, I felt like it, it, it would have been remiss to not have mentioned it, and that's all we'll really say on the subject now because it's been it's been undoubtedly the um, our colleagues over at Midweek Motorsport will have covered this more in general with what the real world ramifications are going to be from this for Larson and for Chip Ganassi Racing. So um, on to more positive iRacing news. Um, we've had yet more fantastic uh, races from both IndyCar and the um, Australia Supercars E-Series. Um, we'll start with the Supercars E-Series because we kind of we didn't really talk about it last week and we really should have done because, Matt, I know you'll agree, the the races they've been putting on have been outstanding, not just from oh. a excitement mm. point of view, but from from a broadcast point of view. Oh, absolutely magnificent, without a shadow of a doubt. I think the whole the whole um the whole presentation of it uh particularly uh the ones i saw this week uh from silverstone and barcelona there's a a nice little bit of glow popping for you in one hit absolutely absolutely brilliant presentation top notch um quality uh broadcasting team behind that and uh the racing for the most part very good as well uh obviously a few people still getting to grips with their with their uh, race rigs yes so um yeah so just to recap because we didn't really speak about it i'll briefly say um the first event that took place uh, last week uh, the races there were two races at phillip island and one race at monza uh, scott mclaughlin and um jack lebrock won the two phillip island races and then scott mclaughlin then won again at monza in what was probably one of the most chaotic races i've seen yet <laughs> um 90 of the field wrecked on the first lap it, it was entertaining we'll put, we'll put it that way uh this week there were four races uh two at silverstone one one of them being a reverse grid and then two at barcelona um anton de pasquale won race one um race two went to one second as i yeah, just for cam waters cam waters ahead of uh, jake kostecki and then the final two races were both won by Shane Van Gisbergen. There were, it's fair to say, a few more eyes on this race than last, um, particularly if you're um, a fan of a particular Dutch Formula One driver, mm. um, because uh, our friend Max Verstappen uh, came along and decided to take part, which is brilliant to see. Um, he finished, he, he did one hell of an overtake on um, both SVG and McLaughlin in race one at Silverstone. That was incredible. And he ended up battling uh, Van Gisbergen for the win in the latter two races. So, yeah, it was really, really interesting to see him try and get up to grips with the V8 supercar. And given we know how good he is in a sim, we shouldn't really have been um, surprised to see how well he did. Um, the series will be continuing next week at uh, Bathurst, which will be... Um, interesting um other tracks on the calendar the calendar's really good for the uh, supercars e-series uh montreal watkins Glen, the nurburgring interestingly daytona and talladega and i'm led to believe that that will be the ovals i'm a little intrigued <laughs> mm, yes. um so yeah that will be interesting um and then across the virtual pacific i guess um would be the IndyCar Challenge. We'll just briefly mention that uh, Simon Pagano won the third race of the season at Michigan International Speedway. It was a, another really entertaining race. Um, we had um, Dale Earnhardt Jr. taking part in this one, which again had a kind of the Verstappen effect, if you like, of having so many more viewers. He managed to finish in third uh, in what was another really superb race. Uh, that will be continuing this sun uh, Saturday, rather, at Twin Ring Motegi. 
and that'll be very very cool looking forward to that one as well uh we must quickly talk about because this lines up with our with our next guest coming on in just a moment Assetto Corsa Competizione version 1.3 was released uh yesterday uh bringing various fixes ahead of the much uh looking for well, I'm going that's terrible grammar ahead of what version 1.4 which is the version we're all looking forward to because that's bringing many 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 cool things to it but just yesterday, um, in as 1.3 was released, uh, our motorsport, uh, Aston Martin's main uh, protagonists in, uh, I want to say GT World Europe, Championship Europe, I'm going to completely ruin that, uh, announced their 2020 livery uh, and also their participation in the SRO eSports series and as then it did Bentley Motorsport as well. So both new liveries are available in-game straight away. How cool is that? Um, and with that, it kind of that see Ben's the segue guy, isn't he, Jordan? I'm not very good at these old. Segways. Yeah, he is, but that that one was still pretty good, in fairness. I'll give you that. I'm <laughs> I'm too fat for segue. It was a good segue until you brought up the fact that it was a segue. So it was a meta segue. <laughs> we must we must we must now bring in a uh, long time listener, first time caller, uh, our very very good friend from British GT, Tom Hornsby. Welcome to the show, Tom. At last. <laughs> Yes, hello, gents. How are you? Good to hear from you. I am not yeah, bad. Not Jordan, not bad. I, Jordan's all right. He's got a cat to look after. It's fine. Oh, uh, <laughs> what? <laughs> How are you keeping, sir? Good to hear from you. Yeah, not bad. Uh, obviously, strange times for everybody, um, and not least the motorsport world, but uh, always find stuff to talk about, always find things to keep... Uh, keep going on social media i also work for intercontinental gt challenge so um i'm pretty busy with all the sro stuff we do as i say certainly uh the esports element of uh, sro has gone through the roof of late with um, so much news at the moment oh it's 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 the focal point right now other than obviously trying to rearrange uh calendars across what sro does sro hosts and, and organizes more than 100 races a year across its various championships but its uh, its focus uh, publicly at the moment is definitely um, increasing its footprint in uh, in esports and obviously having Assetto Corsa Competizione uh, that coming online uh, about eighteen months ago with them has has made a massive difference and has sort of set them up uh, quite nicely for obviously what we're going through right now. It's almost like they knew. <laughs> <laughs> Stefan Rattel very good, but I don't think he saw it. <laughs> I was just about to say he is the vision man, but I don't think even he could have foreseen no, this. No. <laughs> well, let's let's talk about let's, before we get into uh, the Assetto Corsa side of things. Let's just talk about British GT for reals. Um, obviously, as you say, very strange times at the moment. Racing, I think, is still on hold. Um, the most, uh, Motorsport UK said until at least the 31st of May. I think was the last thing I heard. Um, how is the championship reacting to this? Uh, what's the sort of feeling coming out from teams and such at the moment? Well, first of all, it's worth remembering Motorsport UK have actually uh, prohibited any racing until the 31st of June. Oh, June, sorry. Um, so we, so we, we can't go racing officially uh, in the UK until, uh, until July. Uh, as it currently stands, obviously that could change. Um, the 31st of May element is actually for the um, the British motorcycle racing ah. uh, body. Um, not sure why those two aren't aligned, but but anyway. Um, 
So, yeah, and obviously we don't have any rounds scheduled uh, in the UK uh, in July. So it would be um, August when we're able to go racing in the, in the UK again. Um, at the moment, you know, teams, drivers, they understand uh, the pressures that we're all under. Um, it's the same for everybody. You know, it, it, it's, it's not a simple case of, oh, you know, so-and-so has done something wrong and, you know, it's just British GT affected or GT racing or a certain element of the sport. We're all in it together. And um, I think, you know, there's a clear interest and people are chomping at the bit behind the scenes to go racing as soon as it's uh, possible and safe to do so. So um, I think you're going to see a renewed enthusiasm as soon as we can all uh, get out there and go racing. I'm starting to wonder whether, because we're, we're experiencing this, George's going to roll his eyes. I can hear him. I can hear him spraining his eyeballs as I'm about to say this. We're already sort up. of seeing, <laughs> we're already sort of seeing that in other sports, rugby, that seasons are being, pushed either very close together or moved into a completely different part of the year obviously summer rugby is not a thing in the uk but it is in the southern hemisphere is it conceivable we could see british gt running into the winter in the uk or or is the idea kind of hoping to try and fit everything in as as, as we can well the, the, i guess the i guess the thing that we've got over uh, other sports is that we've you know for british gt we only have seven events in the year so there is uh there is the the possibility of having a concertina effect towards the end of the season and um those races were due to take place between april and september uh, so there is a lot of wriggle room at the end of the year um and the uh the silverstone round which which has been uh, rescheduled and uh, has a date i think the press release and i wrote it so i should remember uh, <laughs> said something about uh, it's the fin- final quarter of the year so there is a um, there is a date for that we're just not uh, we're just not announcing it just yet uh, because obviously other things could move around and um, we'd, we'd rather just sit on that one for the time being so obviously november is much later than british gt um, has traditionally finished and certainly certainly uh, hasn't finished that late uh, for a long long time um, you know, realistically, we're going to be seeing a lot of races all squashed in together over the final sort of four, five months of the year. So, um, yeah, the intention at the moment is to run the same number of races, uh, but just in a much more congested uh, time frame. And obviously, we've also got to be mindful of what's going on elsewhere. Uh, obviously, Le Mans 24 Hours is now taking place on a on a date which we uh, the, Don, the Donington, the, the previous Donington decider date, which you know we'd, we'd hoped would be a, you know that that wouldn't have to be moved. It's obviously something we're now considering, um, and uh, you know as other championships have all their dates um, sort of swapped around and, and whatnot, then there's other considerations as well. We we try not to clash our races, for instance, with GT World Challenge Europe because a lot of teams uh, do both British GT and that championship, and because it is now a business, they they rely on doing both championships it's it's just such a massive mind-blowing exercise when you start to think about it and i thought trying to set up well as ben will no doubt attest uh shame he's not here really uh just trying to set up one calendar for tour is bad enough trying to do it <laughs> across the entire globe must be absolutely mm. horrendous um let's talk about british gt esports then uh entering its sixth season this year uh, high numbers in the last few in the last few years, really starting to see it uh, bubble up now. Uh, and what I found interesting, and this was, and I can I can 
hold my hand up and say I've had very little to do with this element of it. A little bit, but not a lot. Um, it's always kind of been good for attracting support from real drivers and teams. Obviously, we've had Angus Fender involved in, his, in the past. Mm. We've had Alex Reed involved in the past as well. Uh, and we've also had we've also seen teams getting on board. Beach Deemer in there. Uh, Team Parker Racing uh, supported it as well, uh, which was which has been awesome. Is that something? Well, first, well, I suppose firstly, is that something you would love to see more of from the British GT teams? And secondly, with obviously the situation being how it is, and seeing how other uh, motorsport entities are getting involved in their uh, sim racing equivalents, do you think it's something that is almost a necessity moving forward? I mean, I'd like to see as many of them taking part as possible. Uh, I think. In previous years, and this even extends to last year, when we, when we, as you say, we, we've had we've had uh, real-world driver representation and team representation, I still think there was a bit of a sort of novelty to the fact that we had an esports representation, and we have done, as you say, for this, which is what coming up to season six. Mm. But what's obviously happened with the coronavirus is it's brought esports front and center um not just in motor racing, but but in all forms of sport, and it, I think it, that has given it. Um, you know, it, it can no longer be something that just sort of sits separately to what we do in the real world. And I really hope that it does. It is now seen going forward as a necessity uh, rather than just a sort of a, a thing that happens outside of the normal motorsport uh, bubble. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I personally hope we will see a lot more drivers and teams getting involved. Clearly, you know, at the minute, the only thing professional racing drivers can do is go sim racing. And we've seen a huge uptake in it, I think, uh, from a lot of people who might not have taken it seriously before and are actually getting a huge amount of enjoyment out of it and realising that actually this is something they can do, uh, you know, to, to, to not only remain race sharp, but also it, it's worth doing in its own right. Um, and, you know, we've already mentioned the Assetto Corsa uh, Competizione uh, Championship that SRO are running in Europe. Um, the, the the charity event at Monza attracted a huge amount of interest. I mean, they, they doubled the number of entries for pro drivers just because of, there was so much interest in it and they could have had, you know, even more spaces if they wanted to. Um, but certainly, you know, I think the British GT uh, version of that is, is another great opportunity for, for some of the guys, some, certainly some of the younger guys who maybe aren't as established and wouldn't ordinarily you know, be considered of a high enough level to go in um, to to the SRO Championship to come and show really what they're made of in um, in the British series. Do you think also, because we're seeing this, again, we've sort of half touched on obviously what's happened in NASCAR for the last couple of weeks, uh, how important it's it seems to be for sponsors as well. Do you think there's there's, a, there's an argument that teams being involved in these kind of competitions there is sponsorship value that pre-existing sponsorship value for them as well um by being represented even though it's on a on a virtual uh virtual plane i i I think there is but there is obviously a bit of a difference between these you know huge nascar teams with Mm. their multinational sponsors and you know at the end of the day british gt is a national customer racing championship and it's up to the drivers to bring that funding with them. I think if the drivers can make the case to their uh, their personal sponsors that this is something that they should be involved with, then, you know, I think it's definitely more of a, you know, even just over what's happened in the last few months, it has suddenly be- 
stop being this this niche thing that other people do to being a you know perfectly viable platform for sponsors and partners to come on board with and and take advantage of while there's no real world racing well let's talk about i mean because this could i think this will be the game changer no pun intended uh moving into 20 into the latter stage of this year and certainly into next year and i'm not giving anything away by that mm-hmm. uh with the set of course of competizione announcing the british gt pack coming out uh one assumes because they from what we know they there's definitely going to be the remaining um msv circuits in there completing the calendar we can almost certainly therefore assume there's going to be skins for uh, all the cars that are competing in british gt which is magnificent that's also aligned with um the hotly anticipated GT4 car pack as well. There's a whole GT4 championship right there for the taking. Yeah, it's it's pretty compelling, isn't it? What what ACC are uh, what they're up to, and um, you know what what you guys have done with uh, with aligning uh, the, the the circuits available in Forza Seven with sort of versions of them. You know, sort of something like Road Atlanta becoming Alton Park has been, I think, it's been fantastic. But what we've obviously always missed mm. is that opportunity to really align the championship um, with its real-world counterpart. And um, you know, the GT4 element is such a big deal uh, and such a big part of British GT that if there is a way of of, of really uh, nailing the uh, the real world and the virtual world um, into one into one championship then um you know i'm all for it i think one thing that and i've banged this drum for a really long time and it was it was uh and i I know there's a lot of other guys out there who and girls uh, who will say the same that the game that got them into sim racing but also got them more interested in real motorsport was toka Mm. now in my mind, in my mind, I can quite feasibly see this doing the same for British GT and certain and, and wider, you know, the, the wider SRO umbrella of of championships. Do you think that? It, am I being silly? Do you think that's something that's potentially there that that we could we could get a toker effect for GT racing? I think you might see it. <sighs> I think you might see it to a degree that the, the Toka, the Toka Tourgos, and I, I was one of those guys that played one and two on the PS one when, you know, all those years ago. And that was honestly, I, you know, that was, that was what, that, that was everything to me when I was, when I was a kid. Um, it, it, you had more of a captive audience though, back then. And, you know, there was no online racing. There's now so many different opportunities to go and race online and so many different types of cars. Whereas back then you really had, your Formula One games, um, you had Toka and you had Gran Turismo. And they were really the only three proper circuit-based games uh, around. Um, so obviously there's, there's a lot more opportunity for people to to play online um, and different cars to race in and different championships to race in with different organisers. But I think overall ACC is definitely, you know, it it, it, it is making more people aware of GT racing uh, and SRO's involvement in GT racing. And I think British GT has the opportunity to piggyback on that, mm-hmm. especially if, if um, you know, the, the people realize the opportunity to race in, in multi-class uh, championships. Now, I don't know yet whether that is going to be something that ACC will 
allow it was something that will be introduced but um i think british gt can occupy certainly a space uh within that growing awareness of gt racing thanks to the new fans that um the acc bring along i've literally just remembered in the back of my this is this is how bad my brain was just remembered at the back of my mind gtr of course back in yeah yeah 2005 i think it was 2006 ish um which of course was the official game of the fia gt1 it's World funny you should mention that because uh, last week we did um on intercontinental we did some throwback content at which uh had, had sort of reached that point in sro's history of the um the fia gt championship which was 99 to 2009 mm. and the amount of people who commented on the social posts and said I raced this car in GTR. Yeah, it, 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 that game really struck a chord um, with people, and obviously still does. In the same way that obviously Toka does for uh, for guys like us. So yeah, I think in years to come, people will look back and say, "Oh, you know, that was ACC was the game that got me into GT racing." Whether or not it will be, whether or not they will distinguish between GT World Challenge Europe, Intercontinental GT Challenge, British GT, or whatever, I'm not sure, but. There'll certainly be, I think, a great appreciation of GT racing amongst people who perhaps weren't aware of it uh, before. I mean, it, it's and, uh, see, Lewis is going. Lewis is going to kill me if I don't ask the question. And while I appreciate you won't necessarily know the answer, or, or if you do, you might not be able to say the answer. Obviously, now Europe's covered. British GT is going to be covered. GT4 is going to be covered. Do you think or slash hope that? the American market and the Asian market, given the SRO series operating in those regions, may potentially come along in the future? Is it is it a would be nice? Um, I can't comment on America because I don't know, because mm-hmm. uh, I don't have any dealings there, but I am the press <laughs> officer also for the GT World Challenge Asia. So I have, I have been privy to one or two emails uh, that have sort of, flown backwards and forwards um at the moment it's not in the works but i believe the in, there is interest there to do it um and uh, you know why not i mean uh, most of the cars that race in asia are the same as what we have in europe and british gt i mean yeah i mean all of them are we haven't got anything special in um, in asia that doesn't race here um and I think the biggest the biggest thing for those guys is is mapping the tracks, right? Yeah. I mean, it, it costs a lot of money. It's a lot of hours to go and do that. It, the, the start to finish with the Intercontinental Pack to add those four circuits, because of course Spa was already there. Um, you know, it took over a year to to, to do that. Um, so Asia is an area which isn't particularly well represented on ACC at the moment. I think we only have Suzuka. Mm um so certainly look it's a market which has a growing and uh, already very strong esports uh, interest and presence it would make sense i think commercially for acc to do it um look whether or not they do i don't 100 percent know but i know there is a lot of interest in doing it i'm going to bring jordan in here because he's gonna I'm, hopefully he's gonna back me up on something as regards <laughs> this because one thing that we we talk about now that pretty much everyone uh every member of the team behind uh the Toro radio show has pc has a pc therefore has both titles that we like to talk about quite a lot jordan you will agree with me I don't know why I'm pointing to my right like you're sat there. That's just <laughs> nuts. This is how weird things Eight, are getting. Two meters. Yeah. <laughs> Lord, stay away. You, you'll agree. 
you all agree with me that uh, the the way that the that GT the GT class is represented in ACC is far superior to iRacing, which is let's face it considered the granddaddy of them all at the moment. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah, there's there's been a lot of growing frustrations in the last few years about. Uh, GT racing as a whole on iRacing usually because of the fact that it's not updated as much as people would like but having played having played a set of course of competizione like a, a lot of other people have there's this growing feeling of well if I'm doing GT racing now I'm going to ACC it's just represented so much better in terms of the the car lists are more diverse and up to date the track lists are, are more what you would see and and just from a plain driving feel ACC is just so much better. So there really is this potential if if ACC is continued to be updated um, with the uh, other regions as we were just talking about, it could very well easily become many people's go-to game for GT racing. I I think there's a lot to be said, and this goes back again to the Toka days. There is something to be said for being able to race the cars on the tracks in the championships that you know and identify with from the real world. Um, and I, I think that's a real strong calling card for, for ACC compared to some of the other stuff. I mean, I, you look at Gran Turismo Sport and the cars, the graphics look incredible. I don't know what it's like to play. Um, but I think there's a bit of a disconnect there between just racing the cars in obviously the liveries that certain people have, have designed themselves and then being able to go to an officially licensed product, which is 100% uh you know gt world challenge british gt intercontinental through and through another uh, element um of this that i absolutely love and it's something that that um that bentley have pointed out quite strongly in the last uh, few days in particular it's not just the drivers who are obviously benefiting from this as well it's a lot of peripheral stuff uh, bmw have proven it by having their engineering teams getting involved on their attack on i race on their i racing uh, exploits of the last um, few weeks but we're also seeing motorsport photographers getting involved um which i absolutely love um uh, i'm gonna mispronounce his name because it's the first time i've ever actually actually say it gary paravani correct oh, correct correct few few um has got himself a gaming rig and started taking photos in ACC. Firstly, how cool is that? And secondly, is that a new like almost an another new era area for for these guys to start exploiting, getting involved in and expanding their portfolios? Well, clearly, and I have to say, Gary, Gary's a friend of mine, um, as well as a member of the British GT uh, media core. So um, I actually was speaking to him about this before he did his first set of photos uh, for it. And I think he he went into it with a bit of trepidation, but also thinking, well, I've got nothing to lose here. You know, there's, there's no real world, real world work for me at the moment. I might as well have a go. And almost sort of overnight he's gone he's become one of the go-to guys for for esports photography and um he's not just doing acc either i think he's got access to two or three other of the sort of best known uh platforms um and bentley's announcement that they were going to be doing sro's uh, championship as a works team a works entry this year uh it took gary i think from from the from the moment the the livery was available in acc to him having a properly edited 
photo uh, with Bentley that they could uh, that they could issue in their press release. It was uh, twenty minutes, I think. Phenomenal. And um, it, which is which is pretty remarkable. But then when you, you I, th- I think there's also a bit of a misconception of well, surely it's just it's it's just a screen grab, right, from oh, a no. replay. And the difference between what a professional photographer with real world experience can do compared to someone who's just happens to have a nice natural, uh, sorry, a nice angle that's been generated by the game for them is, you know, the difference is stark. You can clearly tell who is the trained professional and who is used to taking photos and then editing photos from a real world environment. And I actually think that's a, you know, that's a, that's a nice area where the whole of esports can learn a little bit from the real world rather than, you know, I think there's been a bit of a tendency for the real world to come in and sort of take over this community of, um, of esports gamers and i think it's a little bit the other way around with this you know some real world um experience um really can make a big difference and i think we'll be seeing more people uh attempting to do it i wholeheartedly agree i jordan i think we have we have to get a couple more guests on and i think his name is gary paravani <laughs> yes i think we have to i think Great we time, have yeah. to do this um because <laughs> You know, me, media and multimedia is exactly what sim racing lives off. Be it Twitch, be it static images, whatever. You know, we've we've done done it for for years, and seeing some of the images that that Gary in particular was able to get hold of so quickly, um, using his skills and background, as you say, absolutely phenomenal. Um, and it. it you know, it's only going to get better. I am so so looking forward to seeing uh, the start of the S, uh, the SRO uh, series soon. And of course, quick shout out to uh, a certain tour member, Dan Austins, who has entered for it. More for him, <laughs> I say, up against all those amazing drivers. Um, yeah. Very quickly, um, how are you going? How are you sort of keeping yourself occupied at the moment? I'm just, well, as you say, I'm guessing you're you're rather busy behind the scenes, but I hopefully you're keeping quite sane. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm used to working from home, so it's not. If I'm not at a racetrack, I'm generally at my house anyway. So um, <laughs> it's not been a huge difference for me, um, to be honest with you. It's just obviously all about maintaining social distance and all that sort of things, just being more aware whenever you do leave the house. Um, it, it, it has been a bit weird, to be honest, not not going racing. Obviously, the weekend just gone, we should have had the opening round British GT at Alton Park. So uh, that was the first Easter I'd been at home since 2014. Um, so that was uh, that was quite nice to actually just enjoy an Easter egg rather than um, doing social media. Um, so, yeah, but I, I do also consider myself quite fortunate. I've done already done one race i did manage to do one race before all this uh, kicked off so um just have to play the waiting game now and we'll you know hopefully be going racing sooner rather than later tom i'm keeping absolutely everything crossed that we are back to real world circuits very very soon and i do hope to bump into you at some point uh hopefully this season because <laughs> it's been a while you know it's so to say it has been a while indeed uh, Thank you ever so much for joining us, Tom. It's been an absolute pleasure uh, talking to you and uh, and your support for for uh, Tora and the British GT Sports Series has been just phenomenal. Uh, so thank you ever ever so much for that. No, thanks a lot, Matt. Appreciate it. Jordan, we are nearly at the end of another show. <laughs> I know going. that flew by. I don't know how this has happened. Uh, just very quickly, of course, uh, immediately following uh, the show tonight is is uh, on the grid. 
uh, looking at the uh, uh, racing activities with an Australian flavour. Uh, but we must also very, very importantly point out uh, the, the next round of the IMSA iRacing Pro Invitational uh, series from uh, WeatherTech Raceway Laguna Seca uh, is coming later this evening, 10.30 this evening. 50 real-world IMSA drives and GTLM machinery uh, for a 90-minute challenge. This will be interesting. Um, just a quick run-through of the some of the names that you're going to see there. BMWs being driven by Jesse Crone, Nicky Katzberg, Bruno Spengler, uh, Townsend Bell, Jack Hawksworth, Connor Daly, Colton Herter, Shane Van Gisbergen. Haven't we mentioned him before today? <laughs> uh, Porsche entries from Tandy, Van Tor, Patrick Long, uh, and the Nürburgring production car lap record holder Lars Kern. Ford can't mention Ford without uh, Harry Tinknell, Pride of Devon. <laughs> Sebastian Prio, uh, Felipe Albuquerque, Richard Westbrook, um, Matthias Leist, and Ferrari. I don't think Ferrari's... I forget, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, I can't remember. There was many Ferraris in the Sebring race, so great to see them here uh, with Tony Villander, Alessandro Balzan, and Jao Barbosa. The Michelin Countdown to Green. Start, I've wanted to say that my whole life on this radio show. The Michelin <laughs> Countdown to Green starts at 10.30pm UK and will have coverage of practice and qualifying in sound and vision. And then once the grid has been set, the whole race will be live and uninterrupted on RSL. So, tune in to Nick Damon, Ben Constantius and John Hindoff from 10.30 this evening. Goodness me, Jordan! What a show! Thank you ever so much to all of our guests this evening. It's been a, it's been a mega show, and um, the most guests we've had on ever, actually. Um, so absolutely magnificent, Jordan. Sim racing exploits for you this weekend? Um, well, there's not really much else to do, is there? <laughs> <laughs> I might get shouted at if I only do a set of course of competizione. <laughs> um. Sign-ups for the Tour of Bathurst 12-hour, of course, are open, I do believe, so please do head over to uh, racetora.com for more information on how to participate uh, in our next endurance race. Uh, GT3 machinery for that, so break out your special uh, liveries for that one. And uh, also, of course, uh, sign-ups for our touring cars. The GTCC uh, is back and raring to go so for those who are missing British touring cars WTCR the like you know where to go for your racing action I've been Matt Hunter Jordan has been phenomenally helpful as ever and our guests have just been outstanding thank you ever so much for listening to the Tour Radio Show here on RadioLeMont.com see you in two weeks bye for now This programme is a Radio Show Limited production. Tell your friends there's more at RadioLeMond.com.